Yo, what's up? This is Aiden Taco Jones here. You're listening to Coffee is What Happens When You're Busy Making Plans. Tuesday the 9th of July, 2019. I'm in a bar called The Advocate in Edinburgh. And um, I'm just in here because this is the only place that I could find where I could record this. I don't have my private room at the moment. It's raining outside. Uh, I just... I Like, this, this bar... I walked in, right? I wanted to... Re- Ideally, I would record this in a, in a cafe for obvious reasons because the podcast is about me trying to find the perfect cafe, but I don't want to sit and talk to myself in the middle of a, like, you know, a cafe filled with people, so I've come to a quiet place. And wouldn't you know it, the quietest place is the worst place. Isn't that crazy that no one's here? That Like, that should... T- you would think that I would have thought that, you know, when I came into the place and there's no one there, that I would assume that it's bad. But I assumed that it was going to be, like, decent. I walk up to the bar in this place, The Advocate, um, and uh, I'm just like, oh, I'm just looking for somewhere to sit down for half an hour, to be honest. Maybe can I get, like, a just, you know, like a coffee or something? And she goes, oh, sorry, the coffee machine's completely broken. I was like, oh, can I get a tea? She's like, no. <laughs> I was just like, I guess I'll get a lemonade then and uh she pours me a not even a big lemonade like a like a like a medium sized one how big is this it's in one of those coca-cola glasses I don't know it's like a it's a, a, a like in between a half pint and a full pint you know whatever you call that size and uh she pours me the thing two pounds 30 an insane price I'm and I'm, I'm like whoa 230 and she just looks at me like you're gonna tap the card already, and her till was taking a while, and I was just like, "Oh man, this place is falling apart!" Like trying to make a joke, she just stared back at me again. I was like, "Okay, cool." So I go and sit down, and I'm in the corner of this room. There's one other dude in the bar sitting at a table on the other side of the room, and I'm trying to like amp myself up to record this podcast in what is still quite an intimidatingly quiet, cavernous space, you know. And uh, I hear from the other side of the wall, from where the bar is, like behind this wall that I'm sitting near. Um, some guy walk in and go, hey, uh, do you mind, we're a pretty big group, we've got 14, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, damn it, like, you know, it's going to be full of people and I'm not going to be able to record in here, and the bartender just goes, are you going to be eating, and uh, he's like, oh, s- some, and she says, well, we, uh, we've only got one person on in the kitchen and we don't have any coffee or tea or spirits. She said, there's no, they can't do spirits. (laughs) And she's like, oh, and we can't do the ribs and we can't do like this and this and this. It's like, it's one, it's 1 PM on a Tuesday afternoon. It's raining outside. A group of 14 people comes to this bar and this chick convinced them to leave. She's just like, yeah, we can't do this and that from the menu. And I just hear the guy go, so where would you recommend? <laughs> and I'm like, you're kidding me. You're Imagine if her fucking boss found out. I would be, imagine, like the places that I've worked in, when it's quiet. The bo- I mean, I'm thinking of one particular place that I worked at in Melbourne a few years ago. One of the last cafes I worked in. The boss was desperate, would do anything to get the people to stay if there was no one in his place someone in there doing something even if they're not buying anything it looks like you know busy this chick did everything within her power to convince these people to leave to the point where the guy asked for a recommendation on another place 
And she goes, oh, I think you're going to have the same problem everywhere, to be honest. And it's like, no, what are you talking about? There are places... <laughs> this is a, the capital city of a first world country. And you're telling someone that they can't get food at 1.20 in the afternoon. You fucking... As much as I was happy with the result, I was furious with that. What a fucking idiot. Oh my god, I was feeling a little bit apprehensive to start this podcast because I knew that the first thing I would have to talk about was how bad this bar is and how fucking awful the service is, but after that, I'm like, I don't even, I mean, it would be a good podcast if she kicked me out, to be honest. I wonder if I'd keep recording, just <laughs> just holding my laptop in one hand and then the microphone in the other hand, and like, trying to, like, juggle all my shit together while she's, like, yelling at me, screaming at me to get out of the bar for disrespecting her. And I'm like, sorry, I'm actually recording a podcast at the moment. <laughs> I don't, don't want to... <laughs> I'm trying to maintain the veracity of the recording, so I don't want to, like, stop and then pause, you know, but thank, I'm sorry for disrespecting your profession. Man. This... <laughs> um... Edinburgh, uh, I got into Edinburgh a couple of days ago, I did the stand last night in Edinburgh, what a great club man, um, did the Red Raw there, I've got Glasgow tonight and uh, Newcastle tomorrow night, I actually, um, so I was in London uh, the week before, I was hanging out with uh, a bunch of friends who I used to work, who actually were the people who like I kind of started working in coffee with, um, I'm just getting this book out of my bag. So, the people that I... Like, my friends in London, are, they all come from the coffee shop that I worked at in London. And uh, we went and got... We went and had, like, a nice dinner after my show on, uh, on Friday night. It was crazy to think... Someone mentioned it. I can't remember who, but someone, like... It was... I've never been so close to people that... I, like, I've worked in so many different cafes, and the people that you work with are just, like... You know... They're the people that you were like. I never really keep in touch with people that I've worked with at places, and there's a few that I like will message or whatever. But these guys at that, they're like some of my closest friends, you know. Definitely um, the people that I that I always see when I go to London, and it really speaks to that cafe when I worked there. Department of Coffee and Social Affairs was like the culture of the place was so amazing. I remember like in the summer we used to go. Um, I think like Square Mile and Union and some of the other roasteries in London um, had like a five-a-side football thing in the park every summer. There was like a tournament every week. Teams would play each other. There were finals and one year we won. We won the final. It was amazing. And um, I don't know, just like the whole coffee scene in London seemed to be very alive and, and exciting at the time and there were like all these connections happening like the people who started our cafe knew these other people from this roastery and this thing and uh that that five-a-side football tournament like soccer football really kind of epitomized it you know and like i was meeting all these people from other shops and we would all go back to clipson and sons roastery afterwards and drink and hang out and um every year that i've gone back there that was 2015 2016 and every year that i've gone back there since it seems like a little bit less of that. And I was uh, in Edinburgh the other day and I was reading 
uh, there's a magazine called Caffeine. It's like an industry magazine for coffee in the UK. And uh, they had a feature article, and it was the first 10 years of specialty coffee. Uh, 2009 was a turning point for specialty coffee in London, and in the decade since, it has become part of the fabric of the city. Phil Wayne talks to the people who were instrumental in launching the scene, and... Um, it's, it's kind of that same kind of article looking back with rose-tinted glasses about what the scene was like in London 10 years ago and the condition that, that like, start, you know, with the economic crisis and everything. So the coffee being an industry where there's a very low barrier to entry, you don't need a lot of training to get into it, but it's a good steady income and why that kind of started so many coffee shops because people were looking for that money and uh, how 10 years on, like, my friends when I was in London started... Uh, I, I, every year I go back and I ask them, you know, how's the scene going? And the first year I went back, there was the the company that I had worked for had kind of started to fall apart. And then in the years since, every time I go back, they seem like more disconnected. And uh, like the central London is just full of, you know, big chains and stuff now. And, and there's no community around it. They even said last year, the London Coffee Festival, which used to be like free for people in the industry. And it was so much fun. And last year, it was you had to pay. Everyone had to pay, and uh, and it was like kind of dead and lifeless. And and even reading through this article in Caffeine, they kind of said the same thing. The London Coffee Festival the year before, they said the year before, they said it was a bit dead, and they were kind of like, I don't know. It it almost feels like in London, it's gotten too big. I want to I want to speak to some more people. Is what I need to do. I've also, by the way, realised with this podcast that what I need to do is. Uh, is be having guests on rather than trying to tell these stories secondhand. It's been a real journey. It's been a real journey figuring out what I need to do here. Um, yeah, I can't just keep talking to myself and relaying like secondhand experiences that I've had, you know, and people that I've met. I've got to, um, I've got to get guests on. So that's what I'm going to need to do. My plan now. <laughs> This, uh, fuck. My plan now is to buy a recorder with two mics and start having guests on and uh, and release it like that. So, what I really want to do now that I'm in Edinburgh, so this is what I've been thinking about since I got to Edinburgh, is like the difference between... In Edinburgh, they have this thing called uh, the Disloyal Seven. It's this card. It's like a disloyalty card. So there are seven coffee shops that have banded together, and uh, they're all independent shops, and they've made this card where if you go and get a coffee at each one, then you can get a free coffee. It's like a loyalty card, but with seven different shops, and it's uh, a way of... You know, like you've got to find different like parts of the scene. So it encourages people who are new or who are just getting into coffee to go and try different coffee shops, meet new people and, and fucking get stuck into the thing. And uh, every year in the last, this is the third year now that I've been to the Edinburgh Fringe, like for the full fringe and kind of been looking out for different cafes and stuff. And every year I come back and I, I get this card and I try and go to every one. And I've always thought it was such a great idea. And also, why does no other coffee scene do this? Like, why is there no one else doing a card like this? And then I started reading this article in Caffeine about the London coffee scene 10 years ago. And um, there, was this, there was this dude called, where's his name? Gwillem Davies, who started Proof Rock, which is like widely regarded as the best coffee in London, even if it is also kind of carries with it this air of, like, pretension and wankiness. Um, 
I know times that I've been in there and it like it feels more like they're telling me that I'm enjoying it rather than actually letting me enjoy it. The coffee is very good, but they're very like aggressive in like telling you about the the TDS levels and the fucking all the like do you know what I mean like the chemistry and stuff that I don't give a fuck about the coffee when I all I want is just an experience and a, and and the flavor you know but they're very militant about like it's this is why it's good and these are the reasons chemically why we have to do it like this and this is why and if you don't taste it like that then you're wrong the coffee's not wrong um but the reason it got that reputation is because when it started, it was run by a bunch of really passionate people. And this guy, Gwilym Davies, who started it, used to, as I was reading in Caffeine, I saw apparently he used to have a disloyalty card for customers at Proofrock to encourage them to go out and, and try a bunch of the other cafes in London, which is so sick. And there is no way that that would happen now because the London coffee scene has gotten so big. But Edinburgh is like the size of the city, is at a level where this thing can still exist. And um, I went to Fortitude, which is probably my favorite cafe in the city. It's the one that I always kind of... I, I generally spend the most time at Brew Lab because that's near where I stay. But Fortitude is just like so small. It's never expanded in the time that I've been here. It's just great. It's always full. It's a great vibe. It's big enough that you could call out to someone from the other side of the cafe and they would hear you, you know? And I went in and I, I, I asked them about the card. And uh, they gave me the name of the dude who designed the card. Um, they told me a little bit about what they know about it because I wanted to know, like, what's the history of this? Who started it? Why is it here? And um, they actually told me that the people who started it were uh, this cafe Filament on Clark Street down, like, uh, kind of past the meadows, a little bit out from the centre. And uh, Filament has just closed in the last year. It was here It was here when I was here last year and in that intervening 12 months it's closed I don't know, that made me a little bit sad. Anyway, I don't <laughs> I don't know that it matters, really. Places close, people move on, things change. <laughs> but I want to fucking talk to the person who made this car because I think it's a really cool idea. Oh, God damn it, man. I don't feel, no, nah, I don't feel good today. I'm frustrated that there's nowhere private that I can record this. Um... Sometimes this podcast is, like, sometimes I'm really looking forward to it. I feel like I've got a lot to say in a week. I feel like there's heaps that I've done that I'm excited about. And then some weeks, the Tuesday deadline just fucking looms like a guillotine hanging over my head. Like, I know I've got to sit down on Tuesday and do this thing because I made a commitment to myself. And I just... I knew going into this, I tried to think about it through the week, and I knew that I wasn't going to fucking have it shit to say this week last night I went clubbing I don't know why the fuck I did that I do know why I did that because my friend graduated university in Edinburgh last week and uh, I'm still not drinking I haven't drank we're day 18 now and I uh, I, I met up with her to have uh, coffee in the afternoon and, and then we got some food and I met her parents actually which was lovely her mum came and watched me at the stand do my thing, and uh, and then after that we went out clubbing. And this is the thing that I'm learning about drinking and about being sober is I definitely use alcohol as a way to uh, like cope with anxiety. Like I'm, I if I I feel anxious in a lot of social settings when I'm 
not drinking. I just feel anxious. And then I, I use a job, like buy a drink and then just having an alcoholic drink in my hand and being able to drink that. Even, I, I don't even think it's the effects of the alcohol. I think it's just, a, it's like a mental thing, you know? Like just knowing that I have the alcohol there and that eventually I will be drunk and, and that's going to make the anxiety better. That alone is enough to, to, to kind of make the anxiety go away. And so I've been thinking, well, if I'm anxious in a social situation, maybe I shouldn't be trying to ignore that by drinking. Maybe I should be thinking about why I'm anxious in a situation and like either trying to be okay with that anxiety or listening to it and taking it as a hint to be like, well, maybe this isn't a good situation for me to be in. Maybe I don't like these people. Maybe I don't actually have anything in common with these people other than the fact that we're all drinking, you know? Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I need to go home and go to bed. But it's a scary thing to take drinking out of that because <laughs> this is a, a... I think this is a, a quite a frivolous thought, but I thought, like, well, what if I take the drinking away and then suddenly I don't like anyone that I'm hanging out with? Like, what if I always feel anxious in situations and, and I take that as meaning that I don't like the situation that I'm in or the people that I'm hanging out with maybe if I stop drinking I find out that I don't like any of my friends <laughs> like like <laughs> like that drinking has just been covering up the fact that actually all of the people who I regularly spend time with I don't like any of them at all I don't have any fun with them <laughs> and I just need to go and be alone that was the fear. Um, and I mean, I don't think that's the case. And it's proven not to be the case. But last night was one of those nights where I think drinking would have covered up the fact that I didn't really need to be... Like, after the show, I went to uh, to a bar with my friend Chelsea and um, met a bunch of her friends. And they'd all, you know, people had graduated. Like, a, a bunch of the people there had just graduated from uni. And then they were all going clubbing, and I was like, yeah, I'll come clubbing, whatever, and I'd fucking come out to the club, and everyone's just dancing, and they're all celebrating because they just finished uni, and they're like, you know, like, they've got, like, bottles of champagne, and they're passing those around, and I'm just like, I don't want to drink. I do want to be a part of this, like, I want to be a part of a fun thing, but I don't want to drink, and I just feel like this isn't about me, and this isn't for me. Like, this isn't my night, you know? Like, I didn't know anyone there except my friend. And, like, I spoke to a few of our friends, and it was very nice. They were lovely. The people that I spoke to were awesome. But I just, I couldn't help but feel like this isn't for me. And if I'd started drinking to cover up that anxiety, I would have just, like, I, the only way that I would have enjoyed that night uh, and, and felt, like, completely at ease there I think is like if I'd gone in knowing more people which of course then it's just a night out with my friends or if I had drank enough to forget about the fact that I didn't fit in there in which case I would have just been like a drunk person hanging out with a bunch of people I don't know and I don't want to be in either of those situations so I'm glad that I didn't drink so I could, like, you know, I had fun dancing for a while, but then at about one one thirty, I was like, I'm done here. Like, I don't need to do anything else here. Why don't I just go home? Why don't I just go home? Of course. I can just, I can just go home. That's an option that's available to me. Um, 
and then waking up in the morning and being so, oh my god, so good. I'm so, that's that's a point where it's like it's good that I didn't drink because if I did drink, I would have just been a drunk person, you know, potentially ruining a bunch of people's fucking nights. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to forget? The, uh, I th I've made my point. I've definitely made my point. Anyway, I don't know. I think I'm going to fucking cut this one short, man. Um, the pub has still not filled up. There's two more people in here who walked in when I, when I got here. The lady from the bar is, like, walking around near me. <laughs> I need to get the fuck out of here. Why the fuck am I here? This has been Aiden Taco Jones. Coffee is what happens when you're busy making plans. Bye.